1 through to 46. And it's titled, The Sheep and the Goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one to another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed in my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or a sick in a prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whenever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. Uh, Now, Normally, this is the point where I hand over to somebody, and they, they take it from there. Uh, not today, I'm afraid. Uh, this is not my normal comfort zone, uh, So, but there is good news, yeah, because I think, I guess, like most of us, we're convinced that there's one great sermon in us, yeah, one that would soar on the heights of exegesis and biblical truths, and have people shouting hallelujah and great well maybe not maybe i'd settle for just a nod saying yeah okay that's that's pretty good there's only one problem there's a bit of bad news not only have i not written that fantastic sermon it's almost certainly wouldn't be based on this passage so where do we go and to be honest uh This part of the Bible, I think, makes tough reading. I mean, if you look at it in the area, it's it's the lead up to uh, the entrance into Jerusalem, but it's full of stories of winners and losers. Uh, We've got the ten virgins, five get in, five don't. Uh, And you've got the the parable of the talents. I I really struggled with that story, I have to say. So again, you've got two who are good and are rewarded and one who isn't good as perceived uh, and is punished by the master just for being afraid of his master then we get to this one uh, the sheep titled the sheep and the goats and there are two aspects that for me are at least maybe not troubling but at least a little bit uncomfortable one aspect is this separation of sheep and goats of good people and bad people of the saved and the lost now, as I said, I am not qualified to speak on this, so I'm not going to go there on that one. But it doesn't sometimes stop me wondering, am I a sheep 
or am I a goat? I'm not quite certain. And then the other aspect of this story is that it seems, when you read it, to focus on salvation by works. Now, as Christians, we believe that we are saved by grace and not by anything we can do ourselves by way of earning our salvation. But when you read this passage, that's what it seems to say. By doing good, we can be saved and be counted as sheep and get our place in heaven. Now, there's another passage uh, in James, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. James uh, chapter 2, which talks about faith and deeds. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So James talks there about faith and deeds together and stating clearly that faith on its own is not really enough, that it's dead. That's James's words, not mine. We have to actually do something with our faith. If we look to Jesus, he was again and again moved by people's needs. If he didn't, then he would have just preached about the kingdom of God, and that would have been it. But he had the heart of God and compassion for everyone he met. He helped, healed, fed people again and again. He showed his love for them by meeting their needs. Real love in action. I mean, would Jesus have drawn so many people to himself if he'd just been preaching and done nothing about it? I don't think so. It was his love for all that drove him to help people and ultimately that love that took him to the cross. As Christians, we try to be like Jesus, to share the gospel, but also to help people in need by doing what we can to meet those needs. Now, we live in a world where we're surrounded by people in need. All over the world, we've seen it in South Sudan, yeah, but it's here in the UK as well uh, and on the streets. And we hear about what they call compassion fatigue because we're constantly bombarded with requests and appeals on TV. And we see homeless people around and we walk by. I mean, just go around Manchester, even on a Saturday afternoon, and look at the number of homeless people. Now, as the the guy Carwin in the video said, it's easy to say, I can't make a difference. The problem is just too big. Some of the issues are huge but it shouldn't stop us from trying. These two passages, James and in Matthew, show that if we have faith in Jesus, then that faith should compel us to do what we can to help, to do anything. If we do nothing, then how can we say that we really love God if we don't love our fellow human beings? Helping people in need is not about buying our way into heaven. It's about living out our faith in the way that we act. The people who work for BMS are acting out their faith by helping people such as these conflict survivors in South Sudan. They sacrifice a comfortable home in the UK to live in these camps and care for people who are suffering. And we can help. We can help by praying for them and also by supporting them financially, giving them the resources they need to carry out their work. They're not there to preach, these guys, Uh, 
as the way in the old missionaries used to do and, and bash them on the head. Church planting goes on, but a lot of the work of BMS is practical and people see there is something different about them, that they're driven to do what they do by their faith. I suppose this passage in Matthew is a warning that may be that faith without actions is incomplete. Wanting to be more like Jesus will end up with us wanting to do more and wanting to help people where and however we can. Surely, if anyone could be described as the least of these, it's the people in those camps in South Sudan. So how can we help? Well, South Sudan is probably, maybe not everybody's aware of it, is the newest country uh, in existence. It came into existence in, uh, I think, about July 2011, after it gained independence from Sudan itself. And then, just so you wouldn't believe it, there has been a civil war in that country caused by politicians falling out. I think it's the president and the vice president created factions, and that started it. And that war has been raging since 2003. So the country itself has only had two years of peace. It's estimated that 400,000 people have been killed and there are millions displaced, not just in Sudan but into the other countries such as Uganda around it. The population is only 12 million, so there's a significant amount of displaced people left. And it's a young, uh, this is a strange fact, they're a young population More than half of the people in the country are under 18. So the potential for that country is immense. But the infant mortality, this was a shock when I read it, I'll be honest. Infant mortality for under fives is 135 in a 1,000. That's more than one in eight children don't make it to their their fifth birthday. And as the lady on the video was saying, high blood pressure in pregnancy is a big part of that problem, which they're hoping to solve. The average income is $27 a week. And that doesn't include the people that are in the, uh, the camps because they're not earning anything. So what is it the BMS is asking of us? Now, I apologise. I know I talked about it were bombarded by requests, but this is a real need uh, and surely our hearts are stirred. £66 would basically feed a family for a whole year by giving them seed and the tools to work the land. £39 would pay for a community worker uh, for one month. I don't know if you picked up, it doesn't come across clear. That lady was a community worker. Did you notice that she's disabled herself, that she lost the sight of her left eye? So there wasn't much she could do, but whatever she can do, she does it. So she's, she's benefited from the help and she's now giving it back. And then the most important one, £18 for a solar battery pack for the blood pressure tests. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been in hospital and Bob could tell us. The one thing they like to do is take your blood pressure. Uh, And these battery packs don't last long. But there's no electricity out there. With a solar pack, yeah, they can keep doing it. Now, it's true that we can't make much of a difference on our own. But it's when we come together, that's when things happen. Amen. Just before we sing our final hymn, that has to be the shortest sermon you've ever heard. Thank you for that. Uh, Just before we sing our final hymn, there's just a a two-minute reflection video.